0: All right, our scripture is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, I'm excited to hand the mic over to Victoria Glow, who's with us again. Good morning, everybody.
1: Thanks for having me again. You didn't really have much choice, but thanks anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure you didn't vote on it or anything, but here I am. So thanks for having me again. Um... Today we're going to look at this Bartimaeus. And I've been sitting with Bartimaeus a little while now in preparation for this and never ceases to amaze me how much can be in one short story and what we can take from it. And of course, anytime someone like myself gets up and speaks about the word I'm trusting that it's flowing through me somehow, but at the same time, there are things that might be flowing to you somehow. Um, So it's important that we take stories and hear what God is saying to each of us through them, Um, and that's what makes our word living and active as we go through it. Um, But anyhow, today we look at this story of Bartimaeus, who is a blind beggar To whom Jesus poses a question, what do you want me to do for you? So last time I was here, we encountered along with Elijah another question, which was, what are you doing here? And now we find this follow-up question in another part of scripture, what do you want me to do for you? So everywhere we go in life, we are negotiating this question. As a parent, I am continually presented with this question along with dozens of others, and that's another story for another time. I don't need to unload all that on you guys. But we are presented constantly with this question as parents. Mom, can you dot, dot, dot? Mom, will you dot, dot, dot? Mom, mom. And then one day it turned to, bruh. (laughs) No, (laughs) mom. My children constantly have something they want me to do for them, right? I mean, that's the way it should be. I'm not complaining, I'm just observing. And as a wife, I am continually posing this question to my husband. Honey, will you, dot, dot, dot? Honey, can you, dot, dot, dot? That's where the honey do list was born out of, right? Honey, there's a lot I want my husband to do for me and for everyone else in our household and the dog and the cat. And as a disciple, I am often asking one question, this one question, but posed as a statement Jesus, help. And there seems to be no shortage of things that I want him to do for me. Mark's gospel says, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We are all blind beggars, aren't we, really? As Henry David Thoreau said, the mass of men, and women, lead lives of quiet desperation. Our families of origin, the culture, and the world all leave us begging for mercy for an escape from the desperation of Western culture and a volatile global society. Like me, we are so often left hollering, Jesus, help. And we do shout, don't we, in one way or another? Maybe we yell and holler and voice our pain. You know, can I get any other voicing our pain people in the room? <laughs> And then maybe we shout internally, quietly, in silent desperation, as Thoreau suggests. And some of us become so numb, we don't realize that we're in pain at all. So my question to you is, what is shouting in your life today? What is asking for attention? What? is begging for attention. And to whom or what will you turn? Our culture is, if nothing else, a culture of misplaced attention. Something inside of us shouts, and we go to the mall. Something shouts, and we grab a glass of wine. Something is begging for our attention and we pick up our phones and do the wordle. We have harmful distractions such as drugs and alcohol and junk food. And we have seemingly harmless distractions such as going on adventures, planning vacations, and looking for the next interesting kitchen gadget. And whatever it is, isn't really the point. The point is that we as humans will do anything to quiet the shouting. Anything but turn to Jesus. And there we are then in our messes, personally and globally. But Bartimaeus, well, we don't really know about his journey. There isn't a whole lot said about him. Perhaps there were years of ignoring God and living a life of quiet desperation. I imagine there was, particularly in that culture. But not anymore. Somewhere along the line, he was exposed to Jesus, and this was going to be his moment. This was the time when he had the opportunity and said, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. He shouted loudly and he shouted directly at Jesus. He didn't tap someone on the shoulder and say, "Um, Excuse me, could you please get Jesus' attention for me? He did not rely on someone else's efforts and he didn't whisper quietly and then wonder why he wasn't heard and give up. No, he shouted. He shouted so loudly that many sternly ordered him to be quiet. I imagine we've all been the one who has been shushed and quieted, and we've been the one who has shushed another. I mean, we live in a culture Still, where we tell crying children to be quiet and that it's better to be seen and not heard. We have external and internal voices telling us to be quiet, to keep our needs to ourselves, and to simply turn to those glittering distractions and put on a smile and pretend everything is okay. Well, Bartimaeus knew that everything was not okay He knew that he would never be seen if he was not first heard. And he knew that only when he was heard and seen could he then in turn see. So he shouted more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I love what it says next. Jesus stood Still. Bartimaeus's shouting stopped Jesus in his tracks. He did not shush him. He did not ignore him. The shouting got his attention. And Jesus says, call him here. He told someone that was with him, to tell Bartimaeus to come on over. Bartimaeus may not have employed others to get Jesus' attention for him, but Jesus did. He told someone else to tell Bartimaeus to come to him. Jesus involved the people around him in bringing others to him. He invites us to co-labor with Him in the work of bringing people and their needs to Him. We are not to silence the needs of others but bring them to the one who can help. This is our part in discipleship. We are to show others the way to meet Jesus Face to face. So, someone with Jesus right here in this story was asked to call Bartimaeus over to him, and Bartimaeus responded enthusiastically. He threw off his cloak and sprang up. There was no hesitation. Earlier in Mark, we see similar enthusiasm. Simon and Andrew were invited to follow Jesus and be made fishers of men. And like Bartimaeus, they responded immediately. They left their nets at once and followed him. Why? Why do some of us hesitate and others follow at once? I'm not sure. And I'm not sure that one way is necessarily better than the other. But what I can share with you is this. Bartimaeus seems to have decided for himself who Jesus was. He was son of David. And he is stating that Jesus is indeed the long-awaited for Messiah. He is shouting that out. And as a result of his conviction, he finds himself face to face with Jesus, who says to him, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, what a question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Individually and communally during this time of transition What are your deepest, most basic needs that can only be met in Jesus? Heal me of blindness, says Bartimaeus. That's the request. Let me see again. If we think back a bit in Mark, we may remember that Jesus asked the same question to James and John, and all he got back was a request for power and glory. Let me sit at your right hand in glory with you. Not Bartimaeus. He wants to see. Now, on the surface, and hear me, it's a very important surface, Not surface trivial, important surface level, but on the surface, Bartimaeus wants to see with his physical eyes. He's blind, but he wants sight, and Jesus grants his request. But unlike another blind man who had spit and mud rubbed on his eyes for his healing, Jesus simply says to Bartimaeus, go. Your faith has made you well. No spit, no mud, just faith in words. So what is this faith of Bartimaeus that led to his being able to see? In some ways, I mean, this faith indicates that Bartimaeus can already see spiritually. Bartimaeus believes Jesus is who he says he is. He can see it. According to Dallas Willard, faith can be defined as confidence grounded in reality. Claiming Jesus as the Son of David, as the Messiah, isn't a mere leap in what we think intellectually. It is a reality with which we interact. It is actually the way things are. It is the grandest truth of the universe. And because of this reality, faith in God, faith means to trust Him. To place our confidence in Him, to see who He is, and to decide to take Him up on it, that is faith. Bartimaeus saw reality and put his trust in it, in God in the person of Jesus. So you see, where we place our trust matters. In whom we place our trust matters. Do we put our trust in the spiritual gurus of today? Or do we place our trust in Jesus Christ? And apparently, this trust, this faith, is what heals us. Bartimaeus immediately regains his sight. He could already see the truth, spiritually speaking, and it is in this encounter with the truth that resulted in his being able to physically see. Now, I have to give an important side note here. We can't go on without addressing the haunting questions that arise in the context and relationship of faith to physical healing. It would be fair, it would, yes, be fair to say that someone's trust in Christ seems to be a strong prerequisite for receiving physical healing. However. Nowhere in the Bible, or in a solid understanding of the Christian way, does it say that a lack of physical healing is proof of a lack of faith. No. Paul had a thorn, Job lost everything, John the Baptist's head was cut off. Clearly sometimes we aren't saved from pain or healed of our physical ailments. And it is in those times we must trust that the Lord knows what each of us needs and trust that His presence with us is there regardless of outcomes. And if we follow Him, His presence will guide us through to the ultimate transition into the fullness of the kingdom upon our earthly departure. But back to Bartimaeus specifically. He was healed. And most importantly, he could spiritually see. He knew who to put his trust in. He knew the reality he was dealing with. And unlike many others whom Jesus healed, I mean, thinking back to the 10 lepers who were healed and only two came back to say thank you, the rest of them took off. But Bartimaeus, after he was healed, chose to follow Jesus. He followed him on the way, it says. This is, by the way, what we called Christianity before it was called Christianity. It was just call, called the way. The way of Jesus Bartimaeus refused to be distracted. He trusted Jesus and turned to him and received what he needed, and he didn't just take what he received and then take off. No, his response was to follow him. And in that, we can see that Bartimaeus is indeed an example for us all. So, what is the way the way is the availability of the kingdom of god for all who would ask and desire to enter as dallas willard explains we experience it because we put our confidence constantly in jesus not something he did or said but in him the person And this is the way Bartimaeus followed. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel we are invited to receive. Consider John Wesley's famous answer to being asked what his gospel message was and what good it did for people. John Wesley was the founder of the founder. I don't know if I like that word. Anyway, he was the forerunner of the Methodist tradition, right? I'm not sure he tried to find anything or establish anything, but he did. And this is what he says. I do preach to as many as desire to hear every night and morning. You ask what I would do with them? I would make them virtuous and happy, easy in themselves and useful to others. To where would I lead them? To heaven, to God, the judge, the lover of all, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. What religion do I preach? The religion of love, the law of kindness brought to light by the gospel. What is it good for? to make all who receive it enjoy God and themselves, to make them like God, lovers of all, contented in their lives and crying out at their death in calm assurance, O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God who giveth me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. John Wesley knew the way to joy, to life, through death. The way is synonymous with trust, and it requires a life without distraction, with holy discipline and a confidence to cry out to the only one who can help us see clearly along the path. And as we see at the end of our particular excerpt today, Bartimaeus needed to trust Jesus and be able to see, at least spiritually, because he would be following Jesus right into Jerusalem, where Jesus would ultimately be crucified. O grave, where is thy victory? And where do we follow him in his death? and through our own death, we follow him into an extension of our lives as they are lived here on earth. We begin now and follow the path of life in him into heaven. And heaven, the kingdom of God, is the place where what God wants done... Is actually done. And it starts now and continues forever. It is the place where we will continue on in God's aim for human history. And what is that aim? Well, again, according to Dallas Willard, the aim of God in human history. Is the creation of an all inclusive community of loving persons with God Himself at the very center of this community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant? I'm going to repeat that. I invite us to hear the beauty in those words, to see that beauty. The aim of God in human history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with God himself at the very center of this community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. Heaven is eternal service through love where radical creativity and loving community will be expressed forever, without end. And while it is certainly a destination, it is a place and experience that begins now. And that is our following Jesus, to not only arrive in the fullness of heaven one day, but to get heaven into each of us now. Heaven is our doing turned into our being. It is following him. And it is in our following him that our doing flows naturally out of our being. And this means that we can effectively then turn our question around and present it to Jesus. Jesus What do you want me to do for you? I can't help but hear the words presented to Simon and Andrew at the beginning of the gospel. Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Being with Jesus will naturally result in our becoming the kinds of people who are at home in heaven. Our character transforms to become like Christ, and that will naturally result in our doing things for and with Jesus, in fishing for people, in sharing the gospel, in shining light, in making disciples, which is, of course, our highest calling in all areas of life everywhere we go in our ordinary walking around day-to-day existence. We are to make disciples in all those places. We become, in following Jesus, the healed healer. We share the sight we've received with those who are still blind. And this is why our shouting matters. Our distractions lead us to places of desolation and numb living, but our shouting to Jesus with our needs can lead us, like Bartimaeus, to have a face-to-face encounter with him in which we receive exactly what we need in order to follow him on the next leg of our journey and his So I invite you to take these four questions with you today as you go. What is shouting for your attention? What areas of distraction need to be put to rest? Our children don't count. (laughs) They're holy distractions. What time can you carve out to shout to Jesus and share your needs? And in turn, how are you being called to follow him individually and communally as gateway church?